I'm sorry. Before we get started with this episode, can I just go ahead and like lay it out there? Just fuck racists. Can I say that? No, no, you can't. You want to know why? Because um, this isn't racism. <laughs> it, it is. No, it's not. You want to know why? Because the concept of racism means that someone put some thought, time, and maybe their own fucking brand of logic behind a flawed thought process. This <laughs> vile piece of shit has made my life fuck all miserable for the past week. This is beyond fucking... Re I've watched three seasons of Letterkenny in an attempt to purge this shit from my soul. I have never, ever been so happy to just fucking be done with an episode with you. I don't want to make jokes. I just want this shit over with. This evil motherfucker! <laughs> Funny thing about this is that we aren't doing a serial killer today. I know. We were all like, man, these serial killers are fucking, it's getting to be a bit much. We need to, we need to take it down a notch. Let's go with something a little less icky. <laughs> well, maybe a little, little physically less icky, but cer certainly not socially less icky. No, just spiritually, mentally icky. The kind that just from reading about this, and I'm going to say it, and I don't care if it offends anyone, this cunt, <laughs> this horse-humping thunder cunt, this gaping asshole, redneck, skinhead piece of shit, ah, yes. has damaged my soul. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about our villain of the day, David Duke and his pop culture counterpoint, Bolivar Trask. <laughs> yes, and before we get started, we're on episode 14, which means next week... You have to follow through with my promise that you're going to blow every one of our listeners. See, I feel like there's not enough incentive for me to follow through with this. <laughs> All right? I work out every day. Listen, I work out Listen, every day. I made the promise. I work out every day. I made the I promise. I've enough chicken. <laughs> I've got enough fucking protein. <laughs> All right, so welcome to episode 14 of the Curly Mustache Podcast. I'm Steven. I'm Joel. What the fuck is he going to say next, Mingle? <laughs> and we're about to jump... Actually, we're about to dive into a slimy, murky, diarrhea, and vomit-filled cesspool that is known as David Duke. And before we do that, I do want to say two things to our audience. One, I don't like to use this phrase often, but there will be... This is a trigger warning. All right, I think that phrase gets overused way too much these days. But this is a fucking trigger warning. There's going to be a large contingency of you folks not happy. Understand, and this is point two, we do not condone any of this shit. We are merely telling you what a villainous piece of shit that he is. And three, to, as a palate cleanser, I'm currently lifting my shirt up. And playing the drums on my fat belly. Go on, Stephen. <laughs> All right, so David Duke, born in 1950, uh, still alive, unfortunately. He is an American white supremacist, white nationalist politician, white separatist, anti-Semitic conspiracy theorist, Holocaust denier, convicted felon, and former Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. Fucking, I hate this guy. I hate this guy. Yeah, he's the worst. 
I also I think it's funny that Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan seems like the least offensive part of that entire sentence. As a D&D player, I find it incredibly offensive. <laughs> I can just... Could you just imagine David Duke playing Dungeons and Dragons? Well, yeah, he'd be a wizard, obviously. Right, yeah, <laughs> and they're trying to enter the cave. <laughs> you shall not pass! Because some of y'all ain't entirely white. <laughs> We're going to have a real problem whenever we get to the Dark Elves section. (laughs) You were all given the trigger warning. I don't want a single fucking email. (laughs) All right, so he's born in Tulsa, Oklahoma to Allison David Duke Sr. His father was a shell oil engineer, so he kind of frequently moved his family around the country. They moved out of country, lived in the Netherlands, kind of settled back into Louisiana in the mid-60s when David was you know, around 15 years old or so. And honestly, like, he was 17 when he joined the Ku Klux Klan, so he wasn't even an adult yet. Well, you know what? I really don't think the Ku Klux Klan really has, uh... What's what I'm looking for? Standards! When it comes to their their recruiting standards. Now, that's not true. At least when he joined the Ku Klux Klan, there were uh, people that weren't allowed in it. But we'll get to that here in a little bit. Because David Duke actually, you know passed some policies within the Ku Klux Klan that was more inclusive. But, like I said, we'll get to it. Uh, Yeah, more inclusive of, you know, more white people. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, I don't really want to go over his childhood a lot, mainly because, you know, there's not a whole lot out there, aside from him just kind of moving around a lot with his family. Yeah, I I do like the fact that he moved to the Netherlands, which is surprisingly, and if we have listeners from the Netherlands, please feel free to correct me, but uh, an ex of mine... She informed me that, because she's from uh, the Netherlands, that it's surprisingly racist there. It's just a constant theme of fucking douchebaggery in this guy's life. No matter what he does or where fuck he lives. Douchebaggery, horse-humping, thunder-cunt, racism, bullshit just keeps showing up. I feel like you're playing musical chairs with the, with the countries with women that you date. I feel like you've told, in the last, like, 14 episodes, you've talked about a Russian ex-girlfriend, you've talked about a British ex-girlfriend, you've talked about (laughs) an ex-girlfriend from the Netherlands. Yes. Like, are you just, like, trying to hit every country, or what? I like to think of myself as an equal opportunity in Blinker. Ladies, let that sink in. Why am I so lonely, and this motherfucker is married, and has been married for decades! (laughs) We will get to that, too. But let's get back to when he was 17 and he met William Luther Pierce, who is a fellow piece of shit. Uh, Pierce was a leader of the White Nationalist Party. He was a neo-Nazi. He was a Holocaust denier. He was an anti-Semitic member of the National Alliance. The Anti-Semitic National Alliance. That's a business name. Which means he had to go to the copyright office and get the LLC... For that name, which means one day there's some fucking patent clerk just going like, well, let's just sign this off. And, uh, ooh, we have a business name. Where are we going with the white anti-Semitic national allow? Fuck me. (laughs) Right. Like, make no mistake. These guys were never trying to hide the fact that they were anti-Semitic or racist. You know, nowadays, of course, you still have organizations like these, but they're much, much quieter. Because of the backlash from, you know, social media and just aggression in general from separate parties in the United States. But, like, then 
when you didn't have the kind of stuff like social media and it really you didn't have the internet you know you didn't have it was unhinged essentially so there was no there was no embarrassment or shame in starting something like this and putting it out there so it, you know they didn't care that th- that it was called anti-semitic they were like yeah that's us <laughs> it was fucking 1960s the world was still going through this uh, social evolution slash revolution of the 60s. We were at fucking war. <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that. I got. I have no idea where I was going with that. I legitimately lost my point. I'm just shaking mad about this guy. All right, so after he joined the Ku Klux Klan, uh, at 18, he enrolled in Louisiana State University, or uh, LSU, in Baton Rouge. Yep, Baton Rouge, which meant it was just a shack on the bayou. Just real quick, and I... And once again, if I'm sorry if you're offended by this, but this is just this is third party talking. Uh, my father, who has lived in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, my entire life has said that Alabama was the worst fucking state he's ever lived in, and Louisiana is the second worst state he's ever been in. When I worked at call centers and and customer service jobs, literally the dumbest fucking people I've ever met were from Louisiana. And I, that's not a generalization of Louisiana, because I'm sure there are plenty of decent people in Louisiana, but I'm just going to say this, like, your state is fucking stupid. Wow, man. <laughs> Sorry. Louisiana, I love you, alright? I love New Orleans. <laughs> I fucking love that town. It's dirty, it's filthy, it smells like shit, and they got the best food and the most amazing fucking music on the planet. But the rest of y'all... And your personal policies, I really think we all need to have a nice little conversation. Yeah, I'll start respecting Louisiana more when they stop charging women murder for aborting babies. Oh, that's not how this works? (laughs) Trigger warning. All right, I'll step down off of my soapbox. I don't get on the soapbox very often, Joel. You know what really just brings me to a frothy hate in all of this is the constant the fucking and he's gonna it's gonna be all through this guy's fucking career and i say that with a great bit of sadness in my voice because this motherfucker makes money off of his shit oh yeah of course is the fucking holocaust denying oh yeah oh my god and we'll get into that more later too because that got him into some legal trouble uh, later in his life okay i'm sorry i'm sorry Uh, As soon as he enrolled in uh, LSU, he formed a student group called the White Youth Alliance. Uh, He affiliated it with the National Socialist White People's Party, of course. Decided to start protesting, you know, different speakers' appearances and speeches in in nearby universities. Um, One that he's most notably for is William uh, Kunstler's speech at Tulane University. And he showed up in a Nazi uniform. And uh, often he would pick it at these speeches. He would throw parties for Hitler's birthday. And this is where he started gaining some notoriety on campus in Louisiana. Well, yeah, because if you dress up in a Nazi uniform at a fucking protest. But notice, I did not say that the Louisiana State University kicked him out. Because they did not. But, you know, some of you out there might be thinking that, you know, well, just like it's our freedom of speech to not say something about like this, it's his freedom of speech to say something. And to which I will call bullshit that it's no one's free speech to talk about the eradication of any race. While he was in school, his father helped him get a job uh, teaching English uh, to Laotian military officers, uh, but he was dismissed 
from the job for drawing a Molotov cocktail on the blackboard. Not sure what that was all about. Oh, I'm fairly confident there was infinitely more in that because, you know, they weren't entirely white. There was also some talk about him, like, taking uh, a small plane, like a Cessna, out after hours and, like, delivering, like, food and stuff to the enemy because they weren't, because they weren't black, essentially. Oy vey. And it's amazing. His dad had to help him get a job. I can't imagine why your co- entire college career is based entirely on fucking riling shit up in Louisiana. While it may be a big state, everybody knows fucking everybody there. I can't imagine you might have a fucking hard time getting a job. I love that uh, after this episode airs, I'm going to look at our analytics and just see <laughs> Louisiana and Alabama just go blue instead of red. <laughs> It's going to be like, you have lost 21 subscribers. <laughs> that means that's like half our audience right there. <laughs> uh, they're the only ones dumb enough to listen to our show. God bless them. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, uh, so he graduated from LSU in 1974 and decided to found this little bitty side project called the Knights of the KKK. I like how you say that. Small side project. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Side fucking project. Right. And not a side project. They're a side project from the White Nationalist Party. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> great. Great. So basically, his version is kind of like Ringo Starr's uh, solo career. Yeah, sort of. The KKK is the Beatles, and the Knights of the KKK is just like uh, Ringo's little album about... Oh, we've got a couple singing octopuses here. It's like a, a professional athlete that plays on a professional team and then also plays on the college team. Ah, okay. This was the first time that he was arrested after he, uh, right before he formed the Knights of the KKK. Uh, he he was arrested for inciting a riot at a statue of Robert E. Lee in Baton Rouge. And he and his buddy Pierce decided to uh, place a Confederate flag on it and dress in their KKK robes, thus inciting this riot with Black Panther party members that were nearby. Um, Can't fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course they would. And uh, But the police broke it up and he was arrested for inciting a riot. And then he went on to uh, found the Knights of the KKK and become a Grand Wizard. Here's what David Duke brought to the KKK. He, or he promoted nonviolence and legality. He allowed women and Catholics to become equal members of the Klan, Joel. Wow! You mean he allowed the whitest of all religions on the into their white fucking club? <laughs> he allowed the... Listen, and he also said that women publicly weren't just the property of men, and in the public eye, they're now members of a fucking backwards racist piece of shit organization. They're as equal as the rest of the cocksuckers? Oh, what a fucking visionary. Yeah, it's like the guy who's like, normally beats women, and then he's just like, you should be proud of me, I didn't beat a woman this time. David Duke, have you ever watched Breaking Bad? Oh, yeah. All right. The scene where the bald guy explains to Walter when he used to be a cop, he went out to a domestic abuse call, and he has a husband in the back. David Duke reminds me of the husband in the back, and I just see myself, every time I have to hear one of his fucking clips on YouTube to get an idea about this guy, all I can think is Mike's voice in the back of my head going, And this asshole is singing Danny Boy in my back seat. 
and it just rubbed me wrong. And that's that's kind of the unfortunate thing about David Duke be, still being alive is that you do get to still see him out there talking, unfortunately. Much like the Westboro Baptist Church. Well, thank God they're almost completely fucking dead. <laughs> right. Uh, but, Joel, the thing is, is that David Duke was not running an anti-black organization. It was a pro-white organization. Because God knows we need all the fucking help we can get. <laughs> I mean, fuck, getting a bank loan, all those police brutality cases. Woo! It's a good thing we got him in our fucking corner. Sarcasm. So contrary to popular belief, like, David Duke probably is the most famous Grand Wizard of all time, but he was not really Grand Wizard that long. Maybe only four to five years. Actually, other officials in the clan thought he was stealing money and using it to purchase and build his home. Uh, his response to that was that he let the KKK members always use his home, so it was justified. So it's like, it's not necessarily that they thought he was stealing money. It's, yes, he was stealing fucking money from them. And when he was outed, he decided to incorporate the NAAWP, the National Association for the Advancement of White People. And this was in 1979. Because God knows we're so fucking far behind... <laughs> we really can't get a leg up on anything these days. The advancement of white people. <laughs> what the fuck are we struggling with as a as a culture, as white people in general? What in the actual fuck are we behind on? I feel like the amount of sarcasm that we're speaking with in this episode is just not going to convey very well to our listeners. <laughs> I think my seething rage is going to fucking turn a lot of people off today that's okay let's talk about probably the most i guess frightening part about david duke's career and that's the fact that he started to get into politics and in 1970 uh i'm sorry in the 1980s he decided to first run as part of the democratic party so he before he had any kind of like political experience he jumped into the democratic presidential primary he just fucking head first into this he's just like well i hate them black folks clearly i can be a politician well i mean it's not too far off from what we've had two years ago so what do you mean two years ago i i meant i meant two weeks ago two minutes ago i've listen msnbc pop-ups have been coming up on my phone mm. <laughs> Fucking guy! He didn't get very much traction when he first started running, but he did win the New Hampshire vice presidential primary. It's like the only one that he won. For some reason, just New Hampshire was like, all right. <laughs> it's like, well, we're sort of like the Louisiana of the Northeast. Well, that's what blew my mind when I read that it was New fucking Hampshire. I was just like, well, we don't like them black people here. Up here in New Hampshire... We got our clam chowder, and uh, them clam chowder is white. Do you see any <laughs> clam chowder that's black? No, you don't. So we'll just, uh, we'll have this grand wizard, and maybe he can fix the economy, and uh, get rid of these black people here in New Hampshire. We just alienated our Louisiana, our Alabama, and our New Hampshire audience. So, awesome. Okay, since you keep saying that, let's just throw this out there. Listeners from Alabama, listeners from fucking... Louisiana and listeners from New Hampshire. We know not everyone there 
is fucking racist. You do not have to. You do not have to not all Louisiana us. We get it. <laughs> we are talking about the 1960s, the 1970s, and the 1980s in your respective states. Let's be real. Back then, <laughs> every state was fucking problematic. Y'all just happen to be in our crosshairs this week. <laughs> right. Okay? Yeah, don't give us the, the state version of not all men, please. <laughs> but Steven, seriously, not not all men. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Okay, I'm just saying. And maybe 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 I should have my rights too. I'm just saying. <laughs> Oh, kill yourself. Oh, God, did you see how quick it came out over me? I've been studying this too much. <laughs> oh, shit. Stop this. <laughs> Do you know what I just said in German? No. The American has doggy biscuits in his pocket. Oh, nice. I said, Juden and the Americana has hundertuschens in the Dasha. So basically, I just said, the Jewish American has doggy biscuits in his pocket. <laughs> I feel like that's some kind of... Some kind of anti-Semitic slur. <laughs> no, it, it's from the original Call of Medal of Honor from PlayStation One. That's where you get it all your. That's where you studied abroad. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So after his failure at the first presidential primary, uh, he changed from Democrat to Republican. Shocking. Oh, right. Of course. This is where he won a special election in 1988. And was actually elected to the House of Representatives from 1989 to 1992. And I actually didn't know that about him. And I was pretty shocked. I mean, I wasn't too shocked because Donald Trump's our fucking president. But I was pretty shocked that a literal Grand Wizard of the KKK was a member of our House of Representatives. I just want you fine folks at home to really think about what the fuck we just said. <laughs> the grand, A Grand Wizard... Of the Ku Klux Klan, the founder of the Knights of the KKK, was elected into our House of Representatives. If this doesn't show you the existence of Satan, I don't know what to fucking tell you. <laughs> and of course, it was in the 81st district of Louisiana. I know. Hashtag not all Louisiana. <laughs> but what the fuck, Louisiana? What the actual shit? I really love that. I hope we start getting some listener feedback. That's just hashtag not all Louisiana. God, I hope not because then it'll take off and we actually legitimately will have a problem on fucking Twitter. <laughs> Fortunately, as a member of the House of Representatives, he failed miserably. His peers fucking hated him. Uh, one thing he really tried hard to pass was this bill that enforced people on welfare or um, uh, unemployment to pass narcotics drug tests, which has been proven not to work many, many times. After his uh, term was done as a member of House of Representatives, he actually ran for U.S. Senate in 1991, but lost to his opponent. Losing is a common thread you'll see in David Duke's political career. He liked to lose. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Attention is attention. And if he can fucking get attention, this guy is a fucking media whore. That is where he and the Westboro Baptist Church we mentioned earlier are incredibly similar. They are both. They both hit their knees. They, their knees have calluses from the amount of time they're on there just sucking on the media's right. cack. Yeah. 
I mean, you're not wrong. Did you did you read about the uh, the interview with Duke's campaign manager at the time? This was when he was losing for the U.S. Senate. Yeah, here, spot, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to roll yourself a fatty, take yourself a nice stiff drink, close your eyes, and prepare. Think of the whitest of white fucks saying this. Ready? The Jews just aren't a big issue in Louisiana. We keep telling David to stick to attacking the blacks. There's no point in going after the Jews. You just piss them off and nobody here cares about them anyway. <laughs> God damn it. That's your fucking campaign manager. That's the guy who's supposed to tell you, Hey man, you might want to be make yourself a little more personable. Maybe a little more appealing to the people. It's like this motherfucker never got out of the bayou. And thinks everybody's like that. God damn it. Just god damn it. After he uh, failed to reach the U.S. Senate, he ran for governor of Louisiana and also lost. Uh, but this was kind of when he put on the Donald Trump shoes and claimed victory because he won 55% of the white vote. Those were the only constituents that mattered. They were the only ones that he cared about. The only one that he cared about, huh? Oh, well. And honestly, so that year for the governor of Louisiana, there was a record black vote as well. Imagine fucking that. Every single black person in Louisiana looked at him and thought, Oh, hell no. Wow. <laughs> this, this motherfucker must have time-traveled from the pre-Civil War. Because... Yeah, exactly. Oh, hell no! <laughs> After he uh, lost the election to run for governor in 91, in 92 he ran for president again. But he didn't receive enough votes to reach a national convention. So, once again, it was kind of a flub. And I'm, I'm not sure, I'm sure you know this, Joel, but just in case our listeners don't know, in order to run for president, it takes a fuck ton of money. A fuck ton. Keep that in mind, folks. Keep that in mind. To be able to go on the campaign trail, to be able to afford to stay places, to afford to to advertise. And this wasn't like just setting up ads on Facebook. This was like true marketing back in the early 90s. You know, this was like, you put it out there so people can see it. Magazines, commercials, newspapers. You know, this was paper. This was the paper age. This wasn't the internet age. He had a shitload of money and was able to just keep running consistently. And uh, he ran again seven years later in 99 in a special election again for the U.S. House. But once again, he lost, fortunately. I just thought it was funny because in 1992, he, he lost just enough votes to Pongo, the mentally disabled monkey. That was, uh, I think it was the Independent. <laughs> it was literally an orangutan from a zoo that had gotten loose and somehow found its way into the uh, into the, uh, the, the 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 convention, and they, somehow he lost out to Pongo, the mentally disabled orangutan. It was like a, the nineteen ninety two version of when people were writing in Harambe in the twenty sixteen election. Never forget, motherfucker. <laughs> Never forget. Rest in power, Harambe. <laughs> R.I.P. In two thousand four, uh, David Duke's bodyguard Roy Armstrong ran for the U.S. House and lost. Um, and David Duke was actually his head advisor on his campaign. So I fucking wonder why he lost. Can't imagine why he fucking lost. The guy who's like, Nat Roy, Roy, I need you to pay attention. What I need you to do is discuss 
these three policies, all right? We need to speak about education reform. I know it sounds a little socialist-like, but we need to lower the prices to make education more available for everyone. Secondly, we need a health care overhaul. We need a clear and concise way that the American people can come together and afford health care for their family. Third, we need to talk about them filthy devil Jews and how they were never once killed in the fucking Holocaust, which is a false lie by the Zionist motherfucking agenda. You think you can do that for me, Roy? <laughs> Spoiler alert. Just in case you think, you know, as this, as the years are going on, you think things are getting more and more progressive. That's why he's just failing and failing and failing. But then, of course, Donald Trump got elected president in 2016, and David Duke endorsed him due to his stance on immigration, you know, deciding to call uh, Mexican people rapists and murderers and all that stuff. But, of course, David Duke renounced him due to his support of Israel. He decided to run for U.S. Senate in 2016 as well, stating that he wanted to defend the rights of European Americans. He lost. No shit. Here is my thing, and it's going to be a little bit of a soapbox. Dear Democrats, you have no one to blame but yourself. Bernie fucking had it in the bag, motherfuckers. Y'all had to go with the one person that might have been the worst possible choice. I'm scared to go to Ireland now because of fucking Trump. I'm going to get fucking glassed. Okay. Y'all are fucked up. <laughs> the one thing that David Duke likes promoting is this white genocide conspiracy where he claims that the Jews are organizing this massive genocide of all white people. And in fact, in like 2017, he accused Anthony Bourdain of uh, promoting white genocide through his, like, various media. Yeah, because, you know, going to other countries and saying, hey, you know what? This fucking pancake that they make in Singapore tastes really good. I can totally see how that's like, this pancake's really good. And might I suggest, fuck whitey. <laughs> Kill the white man. But yes. enjoy this crepe. Yep, yep. It's like, oh, I'm, uh... I'm in Thailand eating this bat. If you'll notice, it's a black bat. I'm enjoying this wonderful <laughs> squid salad. The squid represents the white man. And after he's done going through my intestines, <laughs> I'm going to shit him out and he will be brown. Death to Whitey. I kind of wish Anthony Bourdain was promoting white genocide now. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought there'd be a day that I would read about an individual that fucking makes Alex Jones look like a rational fucking human being. The guy who's like, you know, they're putting chemicals in the water, they're turning the frogs gay! God damn it! Sounds so much fucking more rational as a human being than motherfucking David Duke. Yep, and then, uh, of course, like you mentioned earlier, he supports the idea that the Holocaust didn't happen, uh, which actually got him arrested in 2009. He was in the Czech Republic doing some uh, some motivational speeches, is what we'll call them. Racist bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... Okay, let's, let's, let's fancy it the fuck up. And uh, actually, the Czech Republic arrested him for denying Nazi genocide and, and basically approving of Nazi crimes. So God bless a Czech Republic. I'm glad that like my half my heritage is Czech Republic. So it makes me proud. Can I just say something to our audience? Going back in my soapbox. <laughs> Here we go. Step on back. If any of you, I mean, any of our listeners, 
are Holocaust deniers. I want you to fucking unsubscribe. You horrible piece of shit. Fuck you and your Holocaust denying bullshit. I agree. Unsubscribe. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye now. <laughs> Goodbye now. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. Yeah, exactly. But they're Nazis, so it's goodbye, Greta. We've been referring to David Duke wrong this entire time. You know that, right? No. Yeah, we have. We haven't been calling him doctor. He's Dr. David Duke. Oh, my God. Oh, my we, God. We... <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, so in 2005, he received a non-accredited PhD in history from a private Ukrainian university and now only refers to himself as Dr. David Duke or Dr. Duke. And he makes sure everybody else refers to him as that as well. Yes, Dr. Duke. Duke, a piece of... Duke, another name for shit. Dr. Shit would like to speak to you about the Holocaust denial. He's a avid supporter of the alt-right movement, which, you know, good stuff there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In 2002, he actually pled guilty to filing a false tax return and uh, told a bunch of his supporters out there... Uh, that he was broke, couldn't afford the bare essentials, and so they kept donating to him and kept donating to him. And really, he was fine. Like, he had plenty of money. He was actually rich. And uh, so he was found guilty for fraud and served 15 months in prison. And when I say prison, I mean a fancy, uh, like, white-collar prison. You mean one of them white-collar Jewish prisons, right? Oh, but he was fine 10K, though. So it's fine. It's fine. Recently, uh, in this 2020 election that's coming up, he actually has endorsed Tulsi Gabbard, who is representative from Hawaii, and she has completely denounced him. Uh, he, he claims that she's the only candidate that doesn't want to send white people to die in Israel, but she's completely fucking uh, denounced him. I never understood that. Not mm, Okay. All right, and lastly, I just want to talk about... Um, and I saw this movie in theaters. I don't know if you've gotten the chance to see it, Joel, but Topher Grace actually portrays David Duke in Spike Lee's movie Black Klansman. I saw clips of it. It blew my fucking mind. It's un- it's absolutely insane how fucking accurate Topher Grace is playing this man. It's creepy. And he looks like him, too. You have to respect Topher Grace for going the distance. But at the same time, you also have to worry about Topher Grace's career. Because that is just a tough pill for anyone to fucking swallow. Hey, it it, it was nominated for Academy Awards, so... Yeah, I mean, he's he, dedicated to his craft, good on him. But at the same time, it's like, ooh, motherfucker. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. It's on the itinerary. But can, can we, can we please just move on from this <laughs> limp-dicked, inbred, bald-head, ballless headed looking fuck nut. Yeah, like the next guy that we're talking about, like he has basically like 16 million deaths on his hands and is still not as bad as David Duke, I feel like. Yes! <laughs> There's something wrong with that. It's amazing when a genocidal character played by Tyrion Lannister in a movie is infinitely better than motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm legitimately mad. I am shaking mad about this guy. Yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about him anymore until we get to the bowler hat scale. Can I get a hallelujah? All right, so yes, uh, Bolivar Trask, uh, Marvel Comics supervillain, first appeared in X-Men number 14 from 1965. He was created by the man himself, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Which means Stan Lee completely 
didn't do much to create him. It was pretty much just Jack Kirby. Yeah, probably. It's mostly Jack Kirby. So I was smoking a doobie, and uh, one day, and I was taken to a friend. His name, I guess, was David Duke. And I decided, I should make a racist asshole. That's, it's interesting, because David Duke was only 15 whenever this comic came out. So I don't think that it had anything to do with David Duke. But it goes to show you that before David Duke, after David Duke, there's always going to be a David Duke. No matter what, there's going to be one of these assholes. And that's that's who this guy is based on. Is this political, high-dollar executive piece of shit that hates other races. It's always going to be there, unfortunately. I can't. I... I cannot. Even. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you're right, where Jack Kirby was definitely the designer of Oliver Trask, but Stanley actually does get a lot of credit for coming up with the meanings and stories behind specifically the X-Men because the X-Men were created as a parallel to minorities throughout the sixties. And it's so lifelike, you know, it's such a great parallel to what, you know, this country, even now what this country goes through with, with um, prejudice against minorities. Trask was a military scientist. He was a founder of uh, his own company, Trask Industries. And uh, he was like the creator of the mutant killing Sentinels. And I'm sure that tons of our passive comic readers out there have seen some X-Men cartoons or, you know, seen some movies or something and knew, knows about Sentinels because they're huge fucking purple and silver robots that kill things. But you may not have known that this was the guy that created them. Uh, see, when I was a kid, I remember watching X-Men, the animated series, and they would have Trask on there and he would just be talking absolute nonsense and, you know, it's a kid's show from fucking Canada, so, you know, you can't really have all the racist, you know, overtones. Under Undertones. But yeah. it was enough that my little brother, who had to be five or six at the time, went up and talked to my dad about it and my dad had to have the conversation with my six-year-old brother about why someone hates other people because they're different and how that's wrong and how that's not the way God wants it. And, you know, like, at six, a cartoon show, that just gives you, an, ladies and gentlemen, an idea of how evil this character is, how much of a fucking douchebag this character is, that a watered-down Canadian cartoon show made a six-year-old American have to have the explanation of what the fuck racism is by his dad. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting because, you know, we say hatred, but really what we just mean to say is fear. The Ku Klux Klan fucking hated black people because they were afraid that black people were going to take things from them. That they were going to up, up in them in social status. What? You mean they were going to do what, we, what they did to them for centuries? Right, huh. exactly. God almighty, who the fucking knew? So anytime you hear us say hate in this podcast you can basically well aside when we say we fucking hate david duke uh because i don't fear david duke i i think uh i think some of the shit that he did is pretty frightening as far as like in politics i'm fucking frightened of david duke i'm fucking terrified of this asshole because he's to me people like that feed on fear i'm fucking terrified of him just because that kind of ideology just keeps coming and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. This asshole has just made it such an amazing level. We are back on David Duke. Get to Bolivar Trask. <laughs> are you yelling at yourself or... 
both of us. <laughs> okay. So, as I said, uh, Trask, you know, he, he hated mutants. Uh, he thought they were a massive threat to humanity. Uh, he actually had two children that ended up being mutants. And uh, he created these medallions that uh, would suppress the, his son's powers. Um, his son actually never found out that he was a mutant. His daughter did, and she was a time traveler. And uh, she actually went back in time and destroyed, like, Trask's company and property. And this just really furthered his attitude toward hating mutants. Kind of had the opposite effect that she wanted. That's what you get for fucking with time. Yeah. And uh, so Trask decided that humanity had to fight back against the mutant threat. He developed these, these giant robotic guards that he called the Sentinels. Like I said, they're huge. They're purple. They're, they're uh, silver. They're ultra-powerful. They can absorb mutant powers. They have uh, sentient thinking. While this was going on, while the while bots were being created, he started kind of going out there and publishing articles in the newspaper and doing commercials and kind of just pumping up this thread of mutants, painting this picture of a future where mutant overlords are keeping humans as slaves and overtaking humans that doesn't sound familiar at all you know those zionist filthy horned hook-nosed jewish imperialist controlling the white guy because once you start looking at the parallels between these two it's just so fucked because it's a comic book and it shouldn't it's a comic book it shouldn't be this fucking similar to a, there should be no fucking douchebag who has been in politics that is resembling a fucking comic book character from the goddamn 19... That was created in the 60s. Yeah, I mean, it is it is important, though. It's important. It's so important to, to put these stories out there and, and sp- specifically to kids, you know, to, to get them prepped for I know. learning about this shit the best way that they can, you know, without the fear-mongering that goes into news and 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 media. This kind of gives a, a platform that younger people can understand their heroes, essentially. And there is a moral to the story, because, you know, Trask kind of creates this, this all-knowing Sentinel named Master Mold. He comes to Trask and basically says, the Sentinels are superior to both humans and mutants, and uh, the only way to protect both races is to enslave both of them. And then the X-Men come into the picture. Professor Xavier sends out his team of X-Men. Trask and his Sentinels capture Beast. And Trask reads his mind with a machine. And then he sees that the X-Men want to protect humanity. And that kind of combined with his, like, uh, you know, I was thinking that we should enslave the mutants. But now that they want to enslave us, I don't really want to be on that side of the coin anymore. Oh, imagine fucking that. Imagine fucking that. See, every time you talk about the X-Men, all I can think of is... If you've never heard uh, Power Glove, they have a really amazing rendition of that song that's just done in, like, battle metal style. That sounds like the most basic thing I've ever heard. That's really cool. Okay, thank you. Alright, so at this point, he realizes that he's wrong, and he sacrifices his own life to destroy the Sentinel's base. This doesn't really help... Unfortunately, because that's where you get the Days of the Future Past storyline where the Sentinels fucking kill basically all mutants except for a certain few. And in the future, Trask is actually resurrected in uh, in a certain comic line. Basically shows that he's responsible for the death of the most mutants, which is... Uh, 16,521,618. Yeah. Quite a few. 
<laughs> That's not amateur numbers. <laughs> For sure. Whenever he finds us out, he's kind of being captured by this group of villains. And uh, they're like, oh, you killed all these mutants. Good job. <laughs> and he escapes their control and then just kills himself again. Because he can't live with himself. Basically, after he dies in the original comic line, uh, the Sentinels don't end there. You know, like I said, they go on to kill things because his son, who doesn't even know he's a mutant, wants to avenge his father by creating more dangerous Sentinels. So it's like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That'll fix everything. All right, so in the Civil War comics, uh, Trask is actually sworn in as the Vice President of the United States uh, to try and stop Magneto's rise to power with the X-Men. He's actually killed by Magneto when he overrides the Sentinel's safe mode and kills, like, a whole bunch of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. So you do get another connection here where, like, David Duke and Bolivar Trask were both politicians. You have these corrupt fucking shitty people that are just put into power. Oh, you mean, yeah, you mean just like now. Just like fucking now. Yeah. Mitch McConnell, you piece of shit, you snapping turtle-looking motherfucker. <laughs> oh, we're not going to get too political. We're not going to get too political. We're not going to get political. We're not going to get political. <laughs> Holy shit, if we don't lose a lot of fucking followers, I'm going to be shocked. <laughs> so he's been portrayed in several different works, you know... Uh, he was in the original X-Men show, a couple of the other X-Men cartoons. He's been voiced by Phil Lamar, who actually was Hermes from the Futurama series. Uh, and he was uh, voiced by Brett Halsey from uh, The Young and the Restless. Which which is funny because considering the storyline... I hate mutants, father! No, my son, you are a mutant. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> So in X-Men The Last Stand, which is the third X-Men movie, he was actually portrayed by Bill Duke, and you would know him from Predator and Commando. <laughs> that one redeeming part of that fucking movie. Bill fucking Duke shows up in that fucking movie. Oh, okay. I oh. thought you were talking about Predator for a second. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, sir? How dare you? But you didn't, so we're cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> goddamn right. I'm a goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus! So, Bill Duke played him, and uh, Trask was actually the head of Homeland Security. He had a very small part. But, in X-Men Days of the Future Past, which, in my opinion, and I might be might be alone here, is the only really good X-Men movie out there, uh, he's portrayed by Peter Dinklage. And he's basically the main antagonist of the film. Yeah, that's true. I will have to disagree with you. I, I think it's Days of Future Past and then X2. X-Men 2 is really good. I really love the first 10 minutes of X2, and then it kind of lost me. All right, well, you know, yeah, yeah, to each their own. I, no, I don't hate on you for liking them. I, I know a lot of people that like them, and I see the, the draw to them, but, like, there's something about the special effects with the, like, circus ropes and, like, just kind of never really felt like X-Men to I me. feel you. But I did really like Days of the Future Past. Yeah, I, what I'm trying to do here is just change anything away from this fucking discussion about how it constantly reminds me of David fucking Duke that I would rather discuss the merits of the fucking X-Men movie. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. And there's a motherfucking villain for the next episode. Brian Singer! <laughs> oh, dude, fuck Brian Singer. We're not even going to give him... Oh, anything. Uh, Hollywood keeps giving him a fucking movies. We're gonna take his name off this just like Bohemian Rhapsody did. Ooh. <laughs> uh, in X-Men Days of the Future Past, you know, he claims that he doesn't have a personal hatred of mutants, but he has an interest in human survival. 
Which is that same, like, bullshit David Duke. I don't, I don't necessarily hate you, personally. I just hate the black race in general. I'm just a race realist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a fucking David Duke thing. He's a race realist. Your neighbors fucking hate you. Oh, just they must think I'm the most racist of fuckers on the planet. And it's an it's an interracial couple who live above me. This is not going to go well at the next uh, apartment meeting, apartment building mixer. Just say you're a race realist. I will punch you through the fucking computer. <laughs> All right, so in this movie, Mystique kills Trask, turns him into a martyr, and then, of course, the events of Days of the Future Past happen where the Sentinels start killing everybody. But in the alternate timeline, they spare him and then change the outlook of the future. It's kind of a cool storyline. Like, you know, honestly, it's one of my favorite X-Men storylines. It's a little confusing, but it is really neat. It does introduce some really cool characters like Cable and uh, Bishop and Forge. Like, some really neat, like, X-Force type characters. It puts the fucking Dark Phoenix storyline to shame. I'm legitimately mad. I'm still mad about David Duke. I haven't been able to not be angry for the past three or four days about this guy. Well, we'll be done soon. We'll be done soon. I'm sorry. Like, I am shaking. I know that. uh, Go on. Go on. All right, so the last thing I wanted to talk about Trask is his storyline is kind of one of the main concepts in this nonfiction book called uh, Krakow to Krypton, which is Jews and comic books, which kind of discusses the parallels between like similar hatred of minorities in real life and then in uh, comic storylines. I'm going to have to read that one. Yeah, it seems pretty interesting. Yeah, I, there's there's a, there's a another comic book, a nonfiction. I think it's the superhero psychology or psychology of a superhero. And then it's sequel, Psychology of a Supervillain, which they break down these kind of particular uh, villains in, in comic book lore, which is just as interesting. Random annoying fact. That sounds cool. All right. Are you ready to finish this up with the bowler hat scale? I am so ready. Okay, buddy. David Duke. Gets a 20. <laughs> no, David Duke gets a 20. You want to know why? Because... We've talked about fucking serial killers. We've talked about people who rape dead men's asses, okay? We've talked about people who eat children, who fucking murder, rape, pillage, born with blood clots being gripped in their hands, all right? We have talked about the worst that society has to fucking offer. And this guy, this motherfucker, was the one to get underneath my skin because I see his fucking fingerprints everywhere yeah he has built a life of perpetuating hatred he has built not just a life the man has built a fucking legacy it is an echo chamber of racial madness where it just continues to feed into itself over and over and over And I see it every fucking day because I live in a small southern Indiana town. So I see this bullshit day to day. He gets a fucking 20. He is not just beyond redemption. He should have been fucking put in a goddamn concrete cell when he was 15 and just left there. Fuck that guy. (laughs) So I'm going to be a little more traditional and actually stay on the scale. Although I do appreciate and I respect 
your decision. Thank you. Your outlook. I appreciate it and respect it and think that uh, the angry part of me wants to agree with you. Thank you so much. But the the race realistic part of me... I will punch you right in your What's... fucking... <laughs> I will punch you in your taint. No, the, the, the realism part of me has to compare him with people like Genghis Khan or... Uh... You know, it's so hard to say because I, I might just have to be like... I don't have an answer here because he's never killed anybody personally, but he's incited the hatred that's probably killed thousands. If not more, what makes him truly insidious is that it continues to breed. And I think that's what makes him on par with Khan with like Genghis Khan or Dahmer or these guys is that, he inspires. He inspires love and loyalty by people and encourages them all in the name of good or their ideal of good. You know what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give him a 10. Yeah, that's... that. And if anybody disagrees, I'd, I'd really like to know why. Like, I'd, I'd really like to hear their... Their reasoning on why he... Absolutely. I am always open to hear what people have to say. All right, so Bolivar Trask, I think I'm going to go less. And even though it was his Sentinels that killed all the mutants after he died in, like, a specific timeline, like, he saw the error of his ways and sacrificed himself to... You mean he took the coward's way out because he didn't want to have to accept the repercussions of his actions. Nah. He thought, oh, oh, my legacy now will be one of sacrifice and being the good guy. Also, I don't have to deal with the fact that I'm going to have to tell my son he's a fucking mutant. So I don't think I said that he was a good guy. I think I said that he saw the error of his ways. Oh, well, I didn't say you did. I just said that's, that's what he fucking pulled. That's why he did. He didn't sacrifice himself out of some altruistic, you know... No, it's to make himself look good so when he was gone, he would have a better legacy than, oh, that fucker who killed, you know, whose machines killed X amount of people. Yeah. What are you giving him? What are you giving him? I guess like an 8.5. I was going to go 8. I was going to go 8 personally. I mean, I hate the guy, but he's also fictional. He's a scumbag for sure. He's a, he's a scumbag. But in the face of a real fucking scumbag, <laughs> it's hard... Yeah, it's hard not to. Fucking... It's like this guy is the fictional version of the real thing, and but somehow not as bad. Yeah, the fictional ver version can't even match up to the douchebaggery of the real thing. And Peter Dinklage played him, and he's just so cute. <laughs> I'm gonna let you have that one. <laughs> All right, so we have a we have quite a bit of listener feedback this time, which is awesome, by the way. And we're going to read all of it. We're not going to cut any of it out. So, Joel, why don't you read the first piece of feedback for us? Absolutely. It's from our dear friend Mark Tic Tac Hitton. He told us that Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, is my favorite Jason movie. It also has the best kill, the sleeping bag kill scene. Uh, Mark, you are absolutely right. That is that is a really good scene. That is a very good scene. <laughs> yeah, and he would be talking about when he uh, swings the, the filled sleeping bag against the tree over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. All right, so uh, this one is from Laura. 
she sent me a really nice text the other day. She said, uh, I listened to the new podcast, and this was the uh, Jason Voorhees one. She said, I listened to the new podcast today. Love it. Love your podcasts. Keep them up. I like the Blackbeard episode the best. Can you guys do an evil political figure? Hey, guess what, Laura? <laughs> hey! Guess what? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? That that sounds like some mind reading on your part, Laura. Are you a filthy Romani? <laughs> I mean, oh God, he's bleeding into my head! <laughs> also, though, I'm sure you'll be looking forward to our eventual... Napoleon and Plankton episode. Miss Elisa, the co-host of our last episode revolving Mr. Miyazaki, she wrote, I would give Kemper a 7. He is a model prisoner and does interviews and stuff to help people and prevent them from becoming what he was. It's all his mother's fault. If she wasn't such an abusive cunt, he wouldn't have murdered anyone. Okay, maybe an 8. Because there's no excuse for murder or rape. <laughs> No, I disagree. Ten. Elisa, what? <laughs> Elisa, fuck's wrong with you? A fucking seven? An eight? Are you kidding me? Face fucked a decap- multiple decapitated heads. <laughs> oh, shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he took a dead head, got an erection, that alone makes it a nine, and then stuck his penis into the decapitated head's mouth until climax. And it was his mother. <laughs> Fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> it's his fucking mom. It's his mom. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so this one is from Rich. This one was from Twitter. He said, just followed, and I'm listening to the first podcast. Excellent so far. I've never seen From Hell. Have you guys ever seen the Michael Caine Jack the Ripper miniseries from 1988? And I have not seen that. Me either, but he sent me the YouTube link. So I think I know what I'm going to be watching. Nice. I feel like it... I don't know why. I just have this feeling it's going to be boring as fuck. Like, if he says it's good, it'll probably be good. But, like... But when I looked it up on MDB, I was just looking at some of the stills. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I'm going to fall asleep listening to Michael Caine. Michael Caine talking about, you know, and open Mary Kelly. She had a kidney st- kidney the size of a tangerine. <laughs> He's not Jack the Ripper in it, is he? I have no idea. I just kind of wanted oh, okay. to say that. I feel like he's got to be a cop of some sort. They're not going to make Michael Caine the fucking Jack, Jack the Ripper in the 1980s. No fucking way. Motherfucker, early 90s, they made him Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in a made-for-TV movie. That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right, this next piece of uh, feedback is from our friend Josh. Uh, FYI, folks, if you get a chance, drink Josh's beer, Aleman Brew. It's really fucking good. Uh... Josh, Josh says, there's a great performance of Ed Kemper in Mindhunter, and it's a great show. Yeah, he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. I watched that episode last night, actually, and it gave me the fucking creeps. Right? Like, it, it legitimately, like, gave me goosebumps. I was like, holy shit. Like, when they bring up his mother, and he just, like stares for like a few seconds too long before he starts talking about her it's like he's like takes it's almost like he absorbs this question and like almost like the mention of his mother like flips the switch inside of him yeah and like even though he goes back to his normal like conversation it's almost like this moment in him where he's like he's gonna fucking stand up and smash this guy's fucking head in and then fuck it that's what I was thinking (laughs) But, uh, yeah, totally right. 
uh, Josh. That that fucking show is great. It's on Netflix, and I think there's a new season coming out next month. Actually, Ooh-wee. this piece is from Jared. He said, "Hey guys, I've got an idea for the podcast. What about H. H. Holmes and the Joker?" I like it. I like it. I think we've gotten a couple suggestions for H. H. Holmes. I believe uh, one of them was H. H. Holmes and Jigsaw. Yes, that was from me. Oh, okay. I thought it was somebody that mattered. Motherfucker. <laughs> That was mean. I'm sorry. Up next is from my personal favorite, Miss Meg. I just listened to today's episode, and as usual, you guys killed it. Is there a pun intended there? (laughs) (laughs) However, Stephen, you need to stop giving Joel so much shit about the Rob Zombie movies, because as a fan of House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects myself, I'm going to have to say those movies are awesome. Listen, Meg. (laughs) Here it comes. I will tell you that I own House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. I do watch them occasionally in the month of October because every year I will watch a different horror movie every single day. And I do get a little bit of enjoyment out of both of those movies, more so Devil's Rejects than House of a Thousand Corpses. I think, honestly, I think House of a Thousand Corpses is incredibly overrated, but that's neither here nor there. However, I will say, every single Rob Zombie movie since Devil's Rejects has been a steaming, boiling, simmering, sautéed piece of fucking rotten fecal matter. (laughs) And that's what we'll stay with that. But thanks for listening. I really appreciate you. And, uh, you know, I I thank you for, uh, for the listener feedback. I mean, honestly, it's awesome. Sorry, I just went into my berserker mode, as you like to call it, Joel. (laughs) You know, as much as I've done it tonight, we'll let it go. All right, but honestly, guys, it's really nice to have so much feedback and, you know, to share this with you guys and and have some conversation brewing. Like, I've been checking the analytics and our our listeners are growing, our subscribers are growing, which means you guys are doing an awesome job of, like, telling your friends. And we're getting new people talking to us and telling us that they're listening to the show and that they love it. And honestly, it... Warms what little bit of beating hearts that me and Joel have that we haven't ripped out and fucked. (laughs) And it continues to keep us doing this week to week. Right, Joel? Aren't you appreciative? I'm afraid to say anything. Go on. I got nothing. (laughs) So thanks for listening to episode 14 of the Curly Mustache Podcast. Folks, please continue being the amazingly awesome listeners you are. Feel free to tell your friends all about us. You can find us on Spotify, on iTunes, which is soon to be Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Pod Paradise. Really, if you search us in Google, you're going to be able to find us. So just go to Google and search us. Or you can go straight to the source and find us at United Cipher. Here you can find some other current podcasts that we have going on, like the Music Video Countdown and Motion Picture Meltdown. You can also listen to some older episodes of podcasts that we have, like Talks Over Games, Anime Alphabet, or Fallout Forecasts. If you want to see some awesome content related to the episodes that we put out, you can check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. On those platforms, we often will release like video clips, interviews, pictures... Like, just neat stuff that sometimes we'll mention in the podcast. Not sure how much David Duke shit I'm going to be putting out there, but... Absolutely fucking none. But you might get a cute picture of Peter Dinklage's Bolivar Trask. Beautiful. (laughs) 
<laughs> Alright, and lastly, check out some of the uh, shows from friends of ours like Nerdonomy, check out the Whiskey Reel, check out Sorry to Waste Your Time, and Code Yellow, a Scare Actors podcast. With that being said, I'm Steven. I'm Joel, rage-filled fucking hatred for this motherfucker mingle. And make sure you stay evil. <laughs> <laughs>